It's not just another book on cross. It's a total book on cross, and that has never been written. And so this is an effort to take any aspirant and teach them the tools and the track to go from being a sometime cross-examiner to one who is consistent and expert and something like the, the Tom Brady's, uh, the John Lester's, etc. of the profession. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to the Lawyer to Lawyer program on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrosi coming to you from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, where I write a couple of blogs, one called Law Sites and another called Media Law. My co-host, J. Craig Williams, is not with us today. He, of course, writes a blog called May It Please the Court. We're going to get started in just a moment, but before we introduce today's topic, let me just take a moment to thank the sponsor of our program, Clio, a leading provider in online practice management for lawyers. You can find out more about Clio at www.goclio.com. Well, in today's program, we are very excited to be speaking with two giants of the trial bar and accomplished authors and legal experts, F. Lee Bailey and Judge Kenneth J. Fishman. These two lawyers are co-authors of several books, including Criminal Trial Techniques. And most recently, they have a new book out called Excellence in Cross-Examination. Their criminal trial Techniques book was published in 1996 as a multi-volume set covering all aspects of a criminal trial. In that book, readers can find uh, various checklists, reminders, forms, information. Their newest book focuses specifically on cross-examination and takes perhaps a, a slightly different approach. Excellence in Cross-Examination explains cross-examination techniques by recounting actual cases. The book, which is published by Thomson Reuters, is meant for law students and seasoned trial lawyers alike. It provides examples outlining how to help, helping to understand how to obtain a command of the English language, how to develop the memory skills that lawyers require, and how to uh, master and understand the rules of evidence. And it brings these techniques to life with actual examples and analyses using cross-examinations from a number of cases, including F. Lee Bailey's cross of the coroner in the Sam Shepard case, Roy Black's examination of a key witness in the William Kennedy Smith trial, and, and many others. So we're, we're looking forward to hearing more about this today. So let me just welcome our guests onto the program. First of all, let me welcome F. Lee Bailey, most commonly perhaps known for his work as defense attorney in the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, he's had a phenomenally successful career as a defense lawyer involving a number of high-profile cases. An attorney for more than 50 years, uh, Lee represented Dr. Sam Shepard. He represented Albert DeSalvo, better known as the Boston Strangler, Captain Ernest Medina, to name just a few. In addition to his legal career, he's worked as a designated legal naval aviator with the U.S. Marine Corps as a licensed private investigator. Lee is a distinguished author, lecturer, lawyer, and has appeared on nationwide television networks. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, F. Lee Bailey. Oh, how are you? 
Good, good. Thank you for joining us. And let me also welcome to the program the Honorable Kenneth J. Fishman. Judge Fishman started his career as a criminal law and criminal procedure professor at Boston University. He left the classroom for the to join the law offices of F. Lee Bailey, and uh, where Lee was his mentor and eventually his law partner. After nearly 30 years as an attorney, Judge Fishman moved to the bench where he uh, has now marked his 10th year as an associate justice for the Massachusetts Superior Court. He's a frequent speaker and lecturer for the Mass Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, the Mass Bar Institute, to name just a few. Very happy to have you with us today, Judge Fishman. Thank you, Bob. Well, let me get started. Lee, let me just ask you to begin. In this book, Excellence in Cross-Examination, you you frequently mention two other books with with praise. You mentioned The Art of Cross-Examination, published in 1936 by Francis Wellman. You uh, mentioned several times The Art of Advocacy, published in 1954 by Lloyd Paul Stryker. There are any number of other books out there on cross-examination. Why, Lee, uh, given that, did, did you want to write this book? Why do, why do lawyers need another book on cross-examination? Well, uh, Bob, it's not just another book on cross. It's a total book on cross, and that has never been written. There has been a big blank between the work of Wellman, who actually published in 1903 and did further editions up through 36, and Stryker, that I tried to go to work for right out of law school, but he had died, so that was awkward. But people who cross-examine day in and day out don't have the time to sit down and write books, or if they do, they don't write them. And so this is an effort to take any aspirant, either uh, at the pre-law stage or someone that's been at the bar and is in his 50s, and teach them the tools and the track to go from being a sometime cross-examiner to one who is consistent and expert and something like the the Tom Brady's, uh, the John Lester's, etc., of the profession. Judge Fishman, the book talks a lot about the fundamentals of cross-examination, and we can go through some of that uh, in the course of this interview. But in your opinion, uh, as both a, a former trial lawyer and with your view from the bench, can any lawyer manage these skills? Can any lawyer become effective as a cross-examiner? Well, I think that probably most can if they're careful about adhering to many of the suggestions that this book provides in terms of training yourself to be a, a trial lawyer and a cross-examiner and then uh, and then using the tools thereafter. I mean, for instance, we talk a lot about developing your memory, which is a critical aspect of being a good cross-examiner and developing you know, a good command of the English language as well and the kinds of things you can do throughout your educational process in order to develop those traits. So I think that most could. Uh, many people think they already are good cross-examiners, and that's where the problem uh, lies. You know, we have had an opportunity to observe lawyers for these many years, and certainly from the objective view from the bench over the last 10 years, I've seen that there's, um, unfortunately, there seems to be a lack of training and uh, a lack of experience with, um, learning by the side of seasoned lawyers that uh, has created quite a void in the in the trial bar in terms of cross-examination skills, but I think it can be remedied, and that's really a major goal of this book. 
As a matter of fact, you write in the book, Judge Fishman, that in the 10 years that you've been on the bench and from what you've seen, you've been, uh, and I quote, sorely disappointed by the quality and consistency of the cross-examinations you've seen from the bench. What are some of the most common shortcomings that you see in in cross-examinations? You know, let's start with the fact that I've been kind of spoiled in the practice of law, um, having practiced with Lee Bailey, who's certainly recognized as one of the best cross-examiners ever, and also having traveled around the country with our cases and seeing many of the fine trial lawyers over the last you know, 30 years. And when you're sitting as a trial judge, you get to see all levels of, tri- of, of trial lawyers from those who are, there are certainly many in the profession that are very good at what they do. But on average, it was disappointing because people ha- seem to think that all it takes is getting up there and asking questions and really having never had the opportunity to, to learn the trade, if you will. So what I attempted to do with, by giving a, a view from the bench was to provide sort of 10 tips, some of which may seem obvious, but consistently seem to be absent from the majority of, of lawyers who are cross-examining. And starting with the one that bothers me probably the most, and that's this notion that people aren't good listeners, that they, uh, they come in with a prepared script and uh, attempt to question witnesses based on that script, not not asking questions in response to answers. And that's a downfall of many a cross-examination. So that's uh, one of the areas that we're encouraging in, in different ways. We encourage uh, lawyers to, to listen and to respond to questions and to be aware of the nuances that come from an answer, whether it be the language or the demeanor of the witness. And there, there are 10 other suggestions that I make in there as well. Right. Well, I, I think another one of your suggestions, and I, I want to ask Lee about this uh, because it's something you talk about throughout the book, is what you both refer to as the cardinal rule of cross-examination, which is that uh, cross-examination is to be avoided absent some compelling reason to go forward with it. It seems to be the case from my observations that lawyers are extremely reluctant not to cross-examine, and, and I wonder in this sort of age of juries uh, whose perceptions of what goes on in the courtroom is driven by TV and, and popular culture, don't jurors somewhat expect lawyers to get up and make a cross-examination? And if a lawyer just says, uh, no questions, Your Honor, uh, isn't the jury going to wonder what's going on? Aren't they going to be suspicious about that? Lee, what are your thoughts on that? Well, clients get disappointed when you don't get up and perform, and that's why it's important to explain to them at the outset of the case that we're trying to focus on those witnesses who are critical, whom the jury must believe or disbelieve for us to win the case. And we will not cross-examine anyone who doesn't hurt us unless that witness has something good to offer. And then we'll draw that out. But that is really direct examination, not impeachment. And clients have to understand this. I think for a young lawyer, it's a little more difficult to get the client to acquiesce. If you've got a reputation and a track record, the client is much more apt to say, okay, whatever you think is best. But you can't let the client run the case and you can't cross-examine witnesses just because your new girlfriend's in the front row. You've got to do it when it's appropriate and otherwise sit down. And Bob, and, and further thought on that is uh, the fact that, uh, you know, jurors to some degree may be influenced by what they see in the movies and television, but in, in the long run, 
it's more important to engage in the right strategy of cross-examination and not worry about that, even if they are curious to some extent why you didn't question a particular witness. Because in the end, ultimately, you're going to focus in, by closing argument on on uh, what you were able to develop by questioning the witnesses that really needed to be cross-examined. Well, I guess to follow up on that, how does how does a lawyer know when to cross-examine and when not to? What's what's the secret to to to, to that and to understanding? I think a lot of lawyers are are afraid not to cross-examine. How do they know when to just keep their mouths shut? I guess the measuring stick, Bob, it, it comes in several parts. Uh, the first test is: Has this witness done me any damage? of consequence, because if he has not, and I'm dumb enough to get up and ask the wrong question, he might. And things that come out in cross-examination are often given more weight by juries. And the second is, how does this guy fit in our overall trial strategy? Where is he going to be or not be when we sum up the case? It isn't a question of just standing up and having fun by making the witness look a little silly just because you can. It's a question of the contribution to the overall schemata of the trial and where it is and where you want to take it. And I think that's an overview that has got to be present before, all during, and at the very end of the trial. Judge Fishman, anything to add to that in terms of knowing when to cross-examine or not? I, I think largely you should know. Before, I agree with Lee. You need to be attentive to those that scheme the whole time. But generally, you know before you ever walk in the door if you've prepared a case properly about which witnesses are critical, which ones you think you can um, that do the most damage to you, and you need to uh, uh, impeach them, or which witnesses you think that ultimately you can actually garner some helpful uh, testimony from, and and. So you know ahead of time, you just need to be alert during the course of the trial when trials often take unexpected turns. Witnesses say things on direct you didn't expect. New witnesses appear that you might not have been warned about. And so you have to be agile to uh, to deal with those. But in the main, you know ahead of time who you're, which witnesses you're focused on for cross-examination purposes. Well, uh, Judge Fishman and F. Lee Bailey, stay with us. We have to take a short break. For some words from our commercial sponsors, we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a, pro- a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in less than in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. 
And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi, and I'm speaking with F. Lee Bailey and Kenneth J. Fishman, the co-authors of Excellence in Cross-Examination, a new book from Thomson Reuters. We're talking about the the, the cardinal rule of uh, knowing uh, when not to cross-examine. One of the cardinal rules that I think a, a lot of lawyers are taught about cross-examination is uh, never ask a question to which you do not know the answer. And I, I went through uh, your book with some thoroughness and never found that rule mentioned a, a single time in that book. F. Lee Bailey, is that something you agree with? Well, that's a rule of luxury that none of us ever gets to enjoy. We must ask questions to which we are not sure of the answer, and that is, I mean, we don't have it locked in in some prior deposition. And while what Ken has said is correct, you should know your case well enough so that there aren't many surprises out there. Trials do have surprises. They are inevitable, and that's why flexibility, keeping your eyes on the witness and staying light on the balls of your feet is very, very important. We analogize the cross-examiner's obligation to be functioning at the highest level to uh, a little bit like Muhammad Ali, who said, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. That generally is good cross-examination, and you've got to have the fortitude and the confidence when you do get slapped by an answer you didn't expect or didn't want to either change tactics or have some kind of comeback to neutralize the damage. But there must be flexibility at all times. You cannot lock in a cross-examination to a set of notes. You can plan the strategy. The tactics unfold, and the rule don't ever ask a question to which you don't know the answer is not a good rule at all. Especially when it's put in absolute terms, because there are there are also those situations, although not really that many, where the where uh, you don't much care what the answer is under limited circumstances. But the danger, of course, still exists. We see this a lot, particularly in uh, not necessarily before a jury, but for instance on a hearing on a motion to suppress evidence, where a, a defense attorney seeks to conduct a cross that may or may not be helpful to the issues present in the motion, but they want to use it for sort of a discovery tool, and they find themselves um, eliciting testimony that fills in a missing blank with regard to the prosecution's burden of proof in connection with the motion. So you have to really think about the questions you're asking, or else you're going to end up doing your adversary's job for them. You you both talk a lot about the need for preparation, and I think Judge Fishman, as as I recall in the book, you even cite that as one of the perhaps the most common shortcoming that you see in in some of the cases that come before you is a lack of preparation. Lee, what can you tell lawyers about how to effectively prepare for a cross-examination? I know the book goes into a lot of detail about that, but what, what advice would you give on that? You know, I borrowed from an old friend and mentor and king of the trial bar named Edward Bennett Williams. I once asked him, how do you seem to perform this magic in the courtroom and pull a rabbit out of a hat. And he said, Lee, you've got to come to court with 50 hats and 50 rabbits, and then you have to get lucky. So it is tedious business to be sure it can be difficult when the financial support 
for preparation is a little bit thin, but nonetheless, you have to look under every stone. You have to eliminate all kinds of possibilities that might crop up in the evidence by defining them, taking a look at them, and assuring yourself that's not something that's going to blow up in your face. It's a long job. It's an essential job. On the other hand, if the preparation is good enough, then most any lawyer might well win the case. And I would just add that where I got concerned in several cases over the years is observing lawyers that may feel that they're financially they're not in a position to prepare a case the way it needs to be prepared, either by way of investigation or consulting with experts or getting transcripts of prior testimony of important witnesses, particularly experts, learning the subject matter that the which may involve getting a hold of treatises and other works in an effort to know the uh, particular area better than your the other side, better than the witness. All of those things is really never an excuse for that. You need to if it's a if it's a defendant in a criminal case who can't afford counsel and is appointed counsel. Uh, you know the Constitution guarantees that these people get represented and that they and that the costs are met in terms of necessary expenses. So you. You can't say, well, I couldn't afford it. You need to ask for it. You need for, to hire the you know, the investigator or the expert or whoever else you need to help you get prepared uh, for cross-examination. And and you need to explain to clients that if you want this done, of those who can pay, that if you want this done, here's how it's, this is what's necessary to do it correctly and to make sure that your rights are fully protected and that you're served well. This book, uh, as we mentioned at the outset, contains extensive transcriptions, I guess, of, of actual cross-examinations. But the book begins with uh, several chapters on skills that you believe lawyers need to have, which are strong language skills, strong memory skills, a strong understanding of the rules of evidence, uh, I guess a good sense of, of self-confidence, self-assuredness. How does a young lawyer develop those skills, especially in an age when it seems like trials are becoming less and less common and and more and more reserved to more senior members of the bar? How can young lawyers develop the skills that can make them effective as cross-examiners? I I think a young lawyer's got to work hard. He's got to go and sit at trials, even if he's not involved in the case, and get the flavor and the flow of the courtroom action. I had the privilege of having dinner with the Chief Justice of the United States a few weeks ago up here in Maine, and I was talking with him about the lack of means for the preparation of young trial lawyers and the the fact that there was a heavy attrition, in my view, among those really capable of going in and quarterbacking at the Brady or Manning level. And he said, well, Lee, part of the reason for that is that nobody goes to trial anymore. And as we point out, I think that's a good part of it. Uh, People are folding their cases. Some criminal cases go to trial, sometimes because they have to, and medical malpractice cases usually go to trial or a long way through it, at least enough to keep the lawyers involved in that specialty pretty sharp. But otherwise, most everybody is folding his tent once the jury is in the box. Uh, And that's for fear of losing too much of the time, counsel. 
don't feel they're really as good as their clients expect them to be. Easy way out is a settlement, and that's a shame. If the trial lawyers were better and knew they were better, they would take more cases to the mat. And at the end of the day, they would settle more cases at good prices because people just didn't want to take them on. And I would say with regard to qualifications like uh, developing a good memory, there are some people who seem to be born with marvelous memories, like my former partner, Lee Bailey, and then there's the rest of the world who suffers from uh, the difficulty with remembering things that happened yesterday. So uh, the book is designed to give you some suggestions about ways that you can help develop a better memory, and also to give some resources. Uh, Lee came across some uh, some great programs put out by the great courses that are, are you know, video programs dealing with developing memory, and they're, they're really very helpful. It's just, so the point is, is that you don't have to be born with a great memory. You can improve your memory enough to make it more useful, both in serving your own memory for the purpose of preparing for trial, but also for understanding memory when you're attacking or uh, a witness's uh, lack of memory. And it's important to understand how memory functions when you're when that's your goal in cross-examination. Yeah, it seems like the, the, the hardest part, I guess, for a young lawyer is to, is to build up that confidence. And, and it seems uh, from the book that, that you both would agree that being effective as a cross-examiner does require a certain degree of, of self-confidence, self-assuredness, and in, not just in command of the language, but in command of the case and, and uh, command of your, yourself, I guess, uh, as a lawyer. Well, you know, when, when I was growing up, I should say first license, Bob. I found a couple of judges in the Boston area. And by the way, as a footnote, the great courses was invented, I believe, by a Harvard Law students, a wildly successful series of educational programs on video that are well worth the price, from my experience. But there were some judges in town that felt that when they had a new lawyer with his first case, and young lawyers were going to court in those days, that if he could possibly manage it, the lawyer should win his case, uh, even if it was a lousy case, as a confidence builder, because there's nothing that makes you feel more confident than being a winner. Well, the other side of that coin, of course, is that uh, there's the risk for the lawyer who goes in and really doesn't know what they're doing cross-examining, but because of the evidence, um, succeeds, and then has a false sense of confidence that it was their cross-examination that won the day when, in fact, it really wasn't, and then they don't prepare in the right way for future cross-examinations. I've seen that as well. It's, you've actually, Bob, you've cited a very difficult process, and that is gaining confidence. And, of course, you gain confidence by doing, but you also gain confidence by knowing that you're going into that court, that courtroom as prepared as you possibly could be. That's, there's nothing like that to make you feel good. You want to be cross-examining a witness without the use of a script in front of you or other notes or, or documents. You want to be listening and paying attention. And if you know the material extremely well, you're going to be able to do that. Those turn out to be more crutches and, and actually obstacles to good cross-examination. So that's why we focus a lot on how to prepare. It's, there's nothing like good preparation to boost that confidence level. We point out uh, uh, that confidence does not generally stand alone. It grows and 
and meshes two other attributes, which are probably essential to its health. One is discipline. If you say you're going to do something today, for God's sake, do it today. Don't put it off till tomorrow, as lawyers seem to think is necessary when it comes to writing briefs. And the other is determination, and that is the ability to get knocked down, sometimes hard, and get back up again and say, I'm not through yet. And when you have what we call CD2, confidence interlinked with discipline, again interlinked with determination, from that you can build great trial lawyers. Well, on that note, we are just about out of time. Uh, This is a big book uh, with a lot in it, and uh, we've only been able to uh, scratch the surface of it. We'd like to give each of you an opportunity to, to share any, any closing thoughts of, about the book or about cross-examination uh, or whatever you'd like uh, at this point uh, before we conclude. And also, uh, if you care to uh, indicate any way for our listeners to uh, follow up with you, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. So, F. Lee Bailey, let's start with you. Well, this is book number 21 for me, if you count them all, and I would think around a dozen for West beginning in 1966, and I'm very fortunate to have the uh, partnership with Ken Fishman, who makes great contributions to these books. His chapter, A View from the Bench, has been described to me by others as being the worst worth the price of the book all by itself. But I think that it's a battle that just has to be ongoing. We've got to try to recruit young lawyers and lawyers of middle age to do the work and to get themselves ready. Because the good news is, if you work hard to become a good trial lawyer, you will be a big frog in what is presently a relatively small pond. Sounds good, Ken. And Bob, I just add that, as you mentioned at the top of uh, your program, that the, a large portion of this book contains cross-examinations, both from civil and criminal trials, some famous, not some others not so famous, but, uh, but very interesting cross-examinations. And I think that readers will find this not, and, and we analyze these cross-examinations for teaching purposes, but I think that even the more casual reader would enjoy reading through these. We, we tell the story about the case. You get to see some real masters, um, how they apply their cross-examination trade. Um, And I've actually had some friends who are non-lawyers look at this, and they were fascinated by it. They maybe weren't so taken by some of the earlier material, but they were fascinated by the stories that uh, arise and evolve from from these cross-examinations. And that, that, to me, I know in the preparation of the book, that was probably one of the most enjoyable aspects of, of the task. Good courtroom is good theater. <laughs> and, right. and good reading as well. I, I, I will concur. Uh, this is the, some fascinating stories here to read these cross-examinations. And they, are, they, are, they appear to be complete uh, or certainly extensive. Uh, these aren't just excerpts of the cross-examinations. They go on for many pages. And, and I actually, actually found the beginning sections of your book fascinating in terms of the skills that make for an effective cross-examiner, I, I, I learned a lot, certainly, reading through it. I, I really congratulate you both on the book, and I thank you for taking the time to talk about it with us here today on Lawyer to Lawyer. So thanks to each of you and both of you for being on the show today. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Bob. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Bob. 
So the book is Excellence in Cross-Examination by F. Lee Bailey, Kenneth J. Fishman. It's published by Thomson Reuters. And that about does it for Lawyer to Lawyer for today. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Lawyer to Lawyer. When you want legal, think Lawyer to Lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi for their next podcast covering the latest legal topic. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.